Are you trying to squeeze the starting solid food stuff into your already busy schedule? Well, I have an all-in-one done-for-you solution that's going to take the guesswork out of feeding your baby. My online program is called Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro. It contains all of my baby led weaning training videos, the original 100 First Foods content library, plus a 100-day meal plan with recipes like the exact sequence of which foods to feed in which order. So if you want to stop trying to piece all this feeding stuff together on your own, I would be honored if you would join me inside of the program. You can get signed up at babyledweaning.co slash program. Have you tried peanut with your baby yet? So intact nuts and thick globs of nut butters are choking hazard for babies. So we can't do that, but we do need to get peanut protein into your baby early and often to help lower the risk of peanut allergy down the road. So my favorite way to do peanut for baby lead weaning is using the Puffworks Baby Peanut Puffs. Now, these are not those little starchy puffs that earlier eaters can't pick up, the ones you see at the grocery store in the container that oftentimes contain added sugar, sodium, and refined grains. No, the Puffworks Baby Peanut Puffs have no added sugar. They're about the size of your adult pinky finger, which is the perfect length for baby lead weaning. So I have students and parents always asking about like different puffs. I saw one today that a mom asked me about. It had three different allergens in it, which makes no sense because you can't observe for a reaction if your baby is trying three new allergenic foods at once. How do you know which of the ingredients is causing the reaction? The only potential allergenic ingredient in the Puffworks Baby Peanut Puffs is peanut. You can get 15% off of Puffworks Baby Peanut Puffs if you use my affiliate discount code BABYLED. So head to puffworks.com and enter that code BABYLED, L-E-D, at checkout. And good luck to you guys trying peanut. The connection is is important, that our nervous systems communicate that feeding is not only about getting food in, but it's about exploring. I really encourage the parents to be eating what the child's eating, which I'm sure you do too. <laughs> really reminding yourself the ultimate goal is not to get food in the child's mouth. It may be just the exploring, maybe seeing mom or dad or caregiver eating that same food. It may be just the smells, it may be the squishing. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding, leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby led weaning. When you sit down to a meal with your baby, are you exhausted? or invigorated. I would say most of us are pretty doggone tired. And I'm sorry, but if I got around to getting a good meal on the table, like the idea of connecting with my baby, it's not always top of mind. I got other kids who are screaming, they want my attention, there's laundry and work and so many distractions. My guest today is Anna Lutz and she gets us. Anna is a registered dietitian who specializes in eating disorders and family and pediatric nutrition. And one area that she's really kind of honed in on is this whole arena or idea of family connection at mealtimes. And I think you're really going to like Anna's message because in this era of parenting where everyone is stressed out about their baby schedule or you're anxious about milestones, Anna really teaches us how to take a step back and zoom out to see what matters as far as our roles in the feeding relationship go. I'm a huge fan of Anna's podcast. It's called Sunny Side Up Nutrition, a great listen if you're looking for another podcast to follow. And I was really excited to have this conversation with her about some easy activities that we all can do as far as connecting with our baby at mealtimes goes. So with no further ado, here's Anna. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Now, before we get started, can you tell us just a little bit about the work you do and how you help families? Absolutely. I'm a registered dietitian. I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I have a private practice here, a group private practice where we work with individuals with eating disorders. And we also work with families around when their children have any kind of feeding concerns. But also I'm the co-creator of Sunny Side Up Nutrition, which is a blog and podcast where we support families in raising children in a diet-free way, really getting the noise of diets and restrictive eating out and really um, helping parents raise their children to have healthy relationships with their food and body. So I'm a fan of your podcast, Sunny Side Up Nutrition, and I've always been curious, what's the origin story behind the name of the podcast and the brand? Oh, I love that you asked that. So Elizabeth Davenport is the other dietitian who I create Sunny Side Up Nutrition with, we met in graduate school. And when we were trying to come up with a name, I mean, we spent hours going back and forth of all these names. And um, honestly, we came across Sunny, we kind of landed on Sunny Side Up Nutrition for a few reasons, that it's, it gives a positive message. At the time I had backyard chickens <laughs> and my children loved collecting the eggs. And also um, this was my father's favorite way to cook eggs was sunny side up. And so it really reminds me of my father. I love that. And I love just the positive spin. That's like the thing I noticed from like when I first started following you and I'm a dietitian as well. And sometimes, you know, we kind of get a bad rap as being the food police and telling people what not to eat. And one thing we really focus on in our content in my business is really helping parents to recognize all of the foods that their babies can eat. So I'm very much on board with all of your positive vibes. And I personally love Sunny Side Up Eggs. So I love that story. And Anna, I really enjoyed your recent episode on your podcast about the new AAP guidelines. And I think you interviewed Dr. Katja Rowell, who's been on our podcast talking about severe picky eating. And on your podcast and in your content, you guys cover a lot of topics related to diet culture and weight stigma. And I think our podcast actually launched pretty much around the same time, like at the beginning of the pandemic. I'm just curious, like what your experience was, why you guys decided to go podcast and then how has your experience as podcasters been? Yeah, well, it was not in our plans at all. Elizabeth, who is, she's located in the Washington DC area. She had an intern who was going to do a series of parent workshops as part of her internship. So her name is Anna Mackay. She's a soon to be dietitian. And suddenly as happened everywhere. Everything was shut down and she wasn't able to do these parent workshops in the DC area. And so for her project, she interviewed Elizabeth and myself. She did a five part series on raising confident eaters. And that was the start of our podcast. We didn't want to stop. We just kept going. And here we are, you know, several years later continuing. And so sometimes I'm the host with Elizabeth and sometimes Elizabeth hosts it with Anna Mackay or Anna Mackay hosts it. So it's, it's been wonderful. And that's a perfect segue into my next question. This idea of raising competent eaters. I was familiar with your mini series on the topic. And I'm just curious what that term competent eater means to you as a practitioner. It means that a child can go out into the world and feed themselves in a way that's nourishing and, and is not anxiety producing or, or distressing. And so I really think about this when I'm helping parents that your child doesn't need to eat in a certain way today. You know, let's zoom out and think, okay, when my child is ready to go out into the world, maybe go to college and go through the cafeteria line or, or go over to friends' houses when they're teenagers, are they going to be able to feed themselves? 
in a way that, um, you know, supports their physical body, but also their mental health. And language being so important, when I hear the term competent eater, what I hear are all the terms that you don't use. And so I'm just curious, maybe you could share like why you don't say a healthy eater or other words. And I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I know a lot of dietitians, we don't, we don't use that word anymore. And right. your thoughts on words that you're not using when you choose competent in place. Yeah. I mean, I think unfortunately healthy now has this negative connotation. It, it shouldn't, you know, I want my child to be a healthy eater, but I think of it in a more holistic way. But I think now people hear that word and interpret it in certain ways, you know, maybe that they, that might mean not eating, eating certain foods, you know, or only eating these other foods. And so I think it could have this restrictive element. So I, I don't love that word healthy. And I think that nutrition is so much more than what we eat. It's not just what goes in our mouth. It's also our relationship with food. It's the memories that we form when we're eating with our families, you know, going back to my memory about sunny side up eggs, you know, there's that there's memories that are so inherent to our food. And so that's why we try to use this, this kind of bigger term than just quote unquote healthy. And it's funny because for a lot of people, the term healthy is probably totally innocuous. It depends what field yes. you're in, where you're coming from. You're coming from an eating disorder background. So there's a lot of weight around the word healthy. If you could see like the strike through list of words we no longer use in the baby led weaning space. Like we used to say an eager eater. And then that just conjures up image of like parents like, oh my gosh, children overstuffing and that's panicky and my child's going to choke. And then we talked about being an adventurous eater, but I mean, there's really no right words are constantly evolving. So I appreciate your insight there. And I love what you said that nutrition is about so much more than what we eat. And as a dietitian, I know personally and a mom, it's sometimes hard to disconnect yourself from that. We have so many dietitian moms in our community who they say, I really appreciate that message because I'm stressed out about how much my baby is eating. And we say exactly the same thing as you. Zoom out and let's look at the bigger picture here. Your baby needs a lot of time and practice to learn how to eat. And so when we're hearing messages and we cover a lot of misinformation in the infant feeding space, but things like, you know, doctors still saying things like you need to start solid foods early to promote catch-up growth for preemie or small babies. And we say, you know, that is, first of all, physiologically impossible for your child to use food, a thing that they don't know how to eat yet, to do something like gain weight, which you should be working with the pediatric dietitian and you should be fortifying the, the infant milk supply. Like a lot of parents have a lot of kind of, I would say, stress and anxiety around how much their children are eating, but we have to back up and give them space to even learn how to eat if we want them to achieve this competence, which I love what you said, like think about college. Like it's scary to think about college when you have a baby, but I want them to be able to cruise through the cafeteria line or go over to friend's house and not have this fraught relationship with food that, you know, so many of our parents will readily admit, I don't have the best relationship with food and I don't want to project that onto my child. Right, right, right. I, I just think that's also true. And the work you do is kind of, is the beginning of, of that journey, you know, that it's a child gaining skills around this task, this developmental task of eating and that it starts when they're, when they're born and it, then it just continues. And if we can think of it that way, I think it can be freeing for parents rather than we've got to figure it out right now. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. My phone is bursting at the seams with photos of our kids. And over the years, I've tried all sorts of different ways to store and share them with family members. So for a while, I would just text out pictures to the grandparents. And then we tried a shared photo album. But some people were using Google Photos and others preferred Facebook Messenger for pictures. And the more kids we had, the messier it got. Then I stumbled across the Family Album app. 
The Family Album app was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure, personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes, and it's totally free. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching folders to find the picture of the kid that you need right now. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. Which, if you think about how quickly your baby is changing, it's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document the last month of your baby's life. If you're looking to level up your photo sharing and organization game with a secure, one-stop, easy-to-use photo organization app, head over to the App Store, search Family Album, download the Family Album app, and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. And I liked what you said about, you know, your child does not need to eat in a certain way today because parents feel a lot of pressure. Like, Katie, oh my gosh, you're saying like from their very first bites, we need to be doing all these different foods. And, you know, the intention with our whole 100 first foods approach, we encourage families to introduce their babies to 100 different foods before they turn one from a fun standpoint, from a variety standpoint, kind of a challenge. But if you can't get there or you're not doing it, it's not the end of the world. You, your child is evolving and they'll go through lots of different phases and have many different relationships with food. And so I appreciate this kind of 360 view because sometimes it's so easy to just get in your space of where you are. And our parents are listening, are primarily parents of babies age six to 12 months. They're making that transition to solid foods, which can be overwhelming and can be stressful. And so in your experience, if you had to give one piece of advice to a new mom who is struggling with transition, what would you say if they're stressed out about this move to solid foods for their baby? The thing that comes to my mind is really making sure that your child is developmentally ready. You're seeing those cues um, and that you're not following someone else's timeline. I have three kids that are pretty spread out. I have a 16-year-old, 13-year-old, and 7-year-old. And so I was very different parent for each one of them. But um, you know, this message of a baby needs solid foods at a certain age, or if you're comparing to cousins or that type of thing, but really to take a deep breath and think, is my child developmentally ready to move, move there? Cause it's going to go easier if they are. I love that. And we always remind parents, you know, your baby best, like you are the best mom or caregiver or grandparent for your baby. And I love this idea of not following someone else's timelines. And I think you know, we always get requests. Can you do more stuff on developmental milestones? And it's like, I think they're important to be aware of, but then parents tie themselves to it so much. And if your baby's not on the exact same timeline as another baby, you're, you have no other option except to feel like a failure. And that's, that's not what we want. And we do a lot of work on Instagram, constantly commenting, how old is that baby? How old is that baby eating beef? How old is that baby? And sometimes I share it because I want parents to know that babies can eat so many more foods than we may give them credit for. But I also, you have to give the backstory about them being developmentally ready, about them showing the other reliable signs of readiness to eat. And parents are getting a lot of pressure to start too early. And we always say there's absolutely no upside to starting early. It's much more fun and certainly much safer to feed a baby who really is ready. And you teach a lot about connection and the importance of connection at family meal time. So, you know, there's a family coming into your practice and you were going to give some actionable activities or tips for how families can connect at mealtimes, and if possible, specific to having a baby. Any thoughts there? Yeah. Well, we talk a lot about nervous system regulation and how a caregiver and a child's nervous systems are co-regulating, right? They're communicating with each other. And so the first thing I really think about is how can the caregiver be grounded and not stressed out at a meal? Because if the caregiver is, is stressed out, 
your nervous system is communicating with your baby. And then that's going to interfere with the, with the baby eating. And so really thinking about as a caregiver, what do I need to feel supported at this meal? And it can be physically, you know, where am I going to sit at the table? It could be, you know, what do I need to, to make the, the meal and have a moment by myself to kind of ground myself? What, what do I need to not feel stressed out? So that's kind of the first thing I think about. The second thing I think about is the baby being supported physically at the table. And so really thinking about the high chair, the support in the back, the support under the feet, because again, that, that nervous system, the baby feels grounded and not kind of floating, floating around. And so physically kind of thinking about that. And so once you've got those two things, I think about first, and then after that is to remember that the connection is, is important that our nervous systems communicate that feeding is just not, is not only about getting food in, but it's about exploring. And so I really encourage the parents to be eating what the child's eating, which I'm sure you do too. <laughs> really reminding yourself the ultimate goal is not to get food in the child's mouth. It may be just the exploring, maybe seeing mom or dad or caregiver eating that same food. It may be just the smells. It may be the squishing, but really you know, making sure that you're connecting in these activities and looking each other in the eye, you know, really kind of we communicate with our nervous system so much through our faces. So those are kind of the, the first things that come to my mind. I love the kind of tying in the nervous system. And I, but I think sometimes like saying, don't be nervous is easier said than done. Like, it's like when people tell you when you're trying to get pregnant, like, oh, just relax and it'll happen. And you're like, I'm trying. <laughs> And same thing, like we talk about this, you know, creating a peaceful feeding environment. And especially if you have older kids, like, it's not peaceful sometimes. And so what do you think about, the parents ask this a lot, like if you have a toddler and, you know, you always are feeling split between the kids, right? Or you have older kids and you're trying to focus and give attention to the baby, but then you know the importance of eating together at mealtime. Is there ever a situation where, you know, having a meal just with the baby on the own, if I'm sorry, but my toddler stressed me out, like, is that okay? Or do we always need to be eating every meal together? No, I, I don't think there's any always, you know, I think figuring out for your family, what, what works, you know, I'm a big proponent of family meals. I think they're important. And if you feel like every time your baby's sitting down and it feels like a circus <laughs> and you're stressed out and, and they, and you don't feel like they're, they're getting that connection with you. It's okay to carve out a time during your day that they're getting a meal or a snack just with you or just with one one or two of your other children. I, I don't think it has to be a certain way. And that's probably the biggest message is none of this has to be a certain way. And that you can explore food together and it doesn't have to even be at a meal time. You know, that there can be that exploration of the of you sitting there with food without any expectation of the child eating it. Hey, we're gonna take a quick break, but I'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and works with your lifestyle as a parent or caregiver. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on the journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. And getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. And I think this is particularly true for parents. because I know firsthand how you can feel torn between your old baby-free, carefree self and this new, very challenging role of parenting a small person. 
Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding, as well as talking through, things that can help you know what you want or why you react the way you do. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash weaning today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash weaning and get 10% off your first month today. And I love what I'm hearing you say is there's really no rules to this. And I think that's just the message we want to enforce to parents is it is important that we're offering a variety of foods and doing so in a safe manner. But like, how many times do I need to feed solid foods a day at this age? And it's like, these rules are not written in stone. And it's nice to hear another dietitian with, I would say, a much more lax approach. I feel like too often in our field, like everyone wants a framework and we have a feeding framework for helping parents achieve variety. So I'm one to talk, but like, there aren't hard and fast rules. You don't have to do it this way. This is something that you might consider doing. It's worked from some of the other families, but I'd love to hear your experience about what's working for you. And so for families that come to your private practice, like what are, I know you guys do eating disorders, but do you see babies? And then what are some of the reasons why a family might bring a baby to see you? Yeah, we do see some babies for toddlers and, you know, it might be a concern about um, introduce, you know, wanting support around introducing solids. It may be concern about slow weight gain that we're kind of putting our heads together of what might be going on. And then for a toddler or older child, it may be concerns around picky eating. And so, yes, I agree with you that there some structure is important, right? That we do, we might help if the structure is kind of bringing down the anxiety in the family that can be super helpful. But when, when the structure or rules is actually raising everyone's anxiety, that's when it can in, interfere with the feeding relationship. And so we're kind of doing some detective work around that. Well, and I love, I love all of your podcast episodes. I love the issues that you're tackling. I learned so much from you and your colleagues. Where can our audience go to learn more about your work? Yes, you can um, find us at sunnysideupnutrition.com or on Instagram at sunnysideupnutritionists. And we're also on Facebook. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with registered dietitian Anna Lutz. To summarize her three pillars for establishing connection at mealtimes with your baby, first and foremost, you, the caregiver, you're the most important one. Ask yourself, what do you need in order to not feel stressed out at this mealtime? Secondly, is your baby being supported? And we're talking about physical support. We teach a lot on the podcast about safe high chair positioning and the importance of a solid foot plate. And all these things are part of our job as a parent in the feeding relationship is making sure the baby is physically supported. And then thirdly, Anna was talking about the importance of not over-focusing on how much your baby is eating, right? It is not important how much your baby is eating at this stage. Your baby needs lots of time and support to learn how to eat. So we kind of need to zoom out and look at the bigger picture here, which is our ultimate goal is to help raise, as Anna says, a competent eater. And that's a term that we use in the nutrition and feeding space. And I, I like that word. And I think it's like, how could you not want your child to be competent down the road? And if your baby's not eating the way you want them to right now, it's not the end of the world. This is a long transition to solid foods and your child will be developing their relationship with food over the course of their lifetime. And we are here to support that. So I will link everything that Anna talked about, including her resources and her podcast in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at blwpodcast.com forward slash 322. 
A special thanks to our partners at Airwave Media. If you guys like podcasts that feature science and food and using your brain, be sure to check out some of the other podcast offerings from Airwave Media. We're online at blwpodcast.com. Thanks so much for being here and I'll see you next time. Like a lot of moms out there, I will totally admit I am quite type A. I am a total task master. And one of my weekly work tasks is to review the feedback forms that our new students in my program, which is called Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro, that they leave for us. So basically, this form asks a lot of questions about you and your baby and your baby's feeding and medical history, any concerns that you might have or fears about starting solid foods. And all of this data helps me when I'm answering parent questions inside of our weekly live office hours so I can then tailor my response to your particular baby and situation, right? Because it's not a one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to what your baby's eating, right? Because maybe your baby has an egg allergy or another mom in the program. She might really be struggling with how to make meat safe because she doesn't like to cook. So this week on the forum, there's a new mom named Janine, and she wrote, and this is her quote, I researched a lot on the internet, and I have a lot of books. I saw a lot of other baby-led weaning programs, but in the end, this is the one that I realized is what I'm really looking for as a new mom. I love that Katie's program has a community and that there are videos for everything you need to know and how to make the foods. And what I love the most is that there's already a meal plan ready. And this just like stopped my heart because this is exactly why I created the Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro program. I wanted to literally put everything that you need to know about starting solid food safely in one place with a super easy to follow 20 full weeks meal plan. Okay, there's 20 weeks because it's five foods a week. I want your baby to get to those 100 new foods before they turn one because I also know you have a lot going on as a new mom and hunting and pecking all over the internet to try to figure out what am I going to feed this baby? That is not the solution. So if you want to check out the Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro program, I would be honored to work with you and your baby. You can head to babyledweaning.co to get started and hopefully I'll be reading your feedback soon too.